Hello and welcome to No Red Pen, the podcast that helps teachers make the most of technology in the classroom. This week, a deep dive into using Google Jamboard, the problem with immersive reader, and checklists arrive in Google Docs and Google Sheets. Let's go. I recently had the pleasure of participating in a webinar with BenQ. BenQ is the company that partners with Google to sell Google Jamboard devices. So you've probably heard of the Google Jamboard app, but there's an actual device, it's 55 inches, and I've played with it in a few settings. It is so sublime. And so if you buy a Jamboard, you're probably getting it from BenQ. And so Nathan from BenQ and I did a, a webinar talking about Jamboard in the classroom, and I shared a lot of tips. A lot of them are from a blog post I published in February called Getting Started with uh, Jamboard in the Classroom. I'll link it in the show notes. Uh, during the, the webinar, Nathan from BenQ shared that this $5,000 device is about to go on sale for $9.99, which sounds amazing. If you're someone who makes purchasing decisions, seriously consider getting a Jamboard. Imagine your students and your teachers coming back in the fall to see a brand new one of these. They are really, really impressive. All right, so let's talk about using Jamboard in the classroom. And a lot of what I'll share today is inspired by some of the things I see in Facebook groups such as teachers using Google Jamboard. I often see teachers say, I tried Jamboard with my students today. I had 30 students in the same jam and it was a disaster. Google Jamboard is a wonderful tool. It is Google's freeform brainstorm and collaboration app. It is so much fun to use and it should really be something that teachers use with their students and it shouldn't be a disaster. And so I am going to share some tips to set you up for success with Google Jamboard. So if you're a teacher who has never used Jamboard but want to try it or you're a teacher who's tried it and has not had success, listen up because this segment will help you. So my first tip for you, there'll be about seven of them is this applies to really any Google Drive file. Remember, Jamboard Jams are Google Drive files. Create them in the Google Drive folder you want them to live in. So if this is a World War I jam, go to your World War I unit, go to that folder in Google Drive, then click the New button, click More, and in the More menu, the fifth option is Google Jamboard. If you create your Jamboard jams there, you never have to organize them because they live where you want them to live. So always create your jams in Google Drive folders. That tip applies to docs, drawings, sheets, slides as well. All right, next tip, have an untouched original copy. So what will happen is you'll want to make a jam and then you'll want students to do something with that jam. Well, have an untouched original. And this is very easy because remember, Jams are Google Drive files, so you can always go to the Google Drive folder, right-click on the jam, and click Make a Copy, or in the Jamboard editor on the web. So if you're using Jamboard on the web at jamboard.google.com, click the three dots and click Make a Copy. All right, next one. When you introduce Jamboard to students. Now, when I did this with students, I always would demo it, and so they would see it. They weren't working in it as I demoed it. But they need to play too, right? The very first time they play with Jamboard, the very first task they do in Jamboard, and make it low stakes, low fire, just do what I did. You know, see if you can draw, see if you can insert a sticky note. But whatever that is, that is independent. 
we build up to collaboration. We don't start with collaboration. So make that independent. You could do that using Make a Copy for Each Student in Google Classroom, because remember, Jamboard Jams work in Google Classroom as far as assignment. As far as uh, grading them, you only get to see the first frame of a jam. It's a little issue I have with Google Workspace for Education. Hopefully they change that soon. But anyway, first task independent. We build up. Now, when you show students Jamboard, be explicit about the undo button. There is an undo button in the upper left. And in the app, I believe it lives in the lower right uh, on the mobile app. But on the web, it's in the upper left. Use it. Draw something or type something incorrect and then say, oh, that was a mistake and click undo. And then do it again and again. Reteach it, overteach it. You want your students to be annoyed at how much you're teaching the undo button because when they make a mistake, you want them to immediately think undo button. There is a mistake for them to make. It's near the undo button. It's called the clear frame button. It is the bane of a lot of teachers who use Jamboard's existence because it's very easy to click. There's no error. There's no, you know, are you sure message? It just clears frame. It clears everything in the frame except for the frame background. Now, you can clear the frame and then click the undo button, but you want students to be trained to know to do that. So, oh, I accidentally cleared the frame. Great. I click undo. The frame is back. Uh, another way to get, get it back would be to go into version history and revert, um, but you want them to know that undo button. Be explicit about the undo button. All right, so let's collaborate. So we've students have worked on it independently. First task is independent. I would keep the you know first few tasks independent. First collaboration is in pairs. Don't start them off in big groups for collaboration. Do it in pairs. So the easiest way to do that is simply make two columns of your students in a spreadsheet your a partner and your b partner your a partner creates the jam your b partner they add your b partner as an editor and that's where you get the collaboration started the a or b partner can then add it to an assignment in classroom or whatever it may be and they do that so start collaboration in pairs all right it's freeform collaboration and brainstorming. We have to have collaboration. We have to have groups working in jams. When we do that, there is an ideal number of students for collaboration in a Jamboard Jam. That number is five. Why five? Because I pulled five out of thin air. No, no. It's because there is the sticky note feature in jams. People love that sticky note feature, right? It's so, so... I don't know, it's just a really cool tool and people love it for just making little notes and annotating, you know, people love that sticky note feature. The sticky note comes in five colors, yellow, green, blue, pink, and orange. There's a transparent color, but we're gonna ignore that. There's five colors and what that means is that you can assign students a color, right? So Monica, you're yellow, Rachel, you're green, so on and so forth. That gives a little structure to this freeform collaboration and brainstorming tool. Another way to use that sticky note tool in this way is, say we're doing a French Revolution jam. So I want contributions or sticky notes about uh, King Louis and the Ancien Regime. Those will be in pink. And if it's about Napoleon, I want it in orange. And if it's about the Jacobins, I want it in blue, right? So you can do things like that to give a little structure to this unstructured tool. Now, you may be asking, 
Tom, what about whole class collaboration? Well, go back to 2017. And I've been jamming since 2017. I saw this, you know, they have the Jamboard device and they released a mobile app to go with it for remote collaborators. And I just thought this belongs in classrooms. And if you look at the promotional materials from Jamboard, they are, it's me, it was designed for businesses. It was designed for teams and businesses. And teams and businesses are typically not 30 people. They're 8 to 10 people, maybe. And the videos have a group of about five people in an office and then one or two remote collaborators. It was never designed for 30 people at a time, kind of like Google Meet and Zoom that way. It is meant for small groups. When you collaborate whole class, and I could see, especially if you have a Jamboard device, you know, a student sort activity, something like that for the whole class, but it's not ideal for 30 collaborators. And actually, the limit, I think, is 25, and it gets a little, you know, slow around 15 or so collaborators. So keep your collaborating groups in Jamboard around five, and you'll be happy. And any students who make poor choices, it's a lot easier to tell in pairs or in groups of five who's making a poor choice in the jam and not being a good partner as opposed to if I have all 30 of my students in a jam. So keep your groups at five. You know, if you want to go smaller than that, that's fine too. One last tip for using Jamboard in the classroom. Never, ever grade jams on neatness. Really bad idea because Jamboard is an inherently messy tool. Play with Jamboard for anything more than three minutes and you have a mess on your hands. It's meant to be messy. If you want students to give a presentation, and yes, you could do presentations in Jamboard, but really slides is meant for that. And if you want the presentation to look nice, and that's a real-world skill, that's fine. Have them do it in Google Slides. Google Slides, by the way, would also be, if I really want my students collaborating in groups of 30, put them in slides. I can keep track of who does what, who did what, using the version history. Uh, in Jamboard, the version history is strictly a version history. It does not actually tell you who did what. Use Google Slides for that purpose. I wouldn't put 30 students in a Google Doc. I wouldn't put 30 students in a Jam, with the exception, like I said, of like a Four Corners or some other student sorting activity. Uh, for the most part, keep it to the groups. But my, I'm getting away from my point, which is never grade Jams on neatness ever. It should not be part of your grading criteria, your rubric, or anything else. I will put links to other Jamboard resources on uh, the podcast webpage, tomalini.com slash podcast. Enjoy Google Jamboard. Have fun with it. And I think with these tips, you'll be ready to rock. Have you used Immersive Reader with students? Immersive Reader is a tool from Microsoft that reads content to students. It lives in Microsoft apps such as Word and Forms and PowerPoint, but it also lives on a couple of really nice EdTech websites such as Flipgrid and ThingLink. And it does what it says it does. It reads text aloud. Let me just play uh, a sentence in Immersive Reader for you. The first estate in France was the clergy of the Catholic Church. All right, second French Rev reference of this episode. I think you can catch on to what I taught when I was in the classroom. So there is also, for those of you who don't live in the Microsoft world, a Google Chrome extension called Use Immersive Reader on Websites. And it it's, emulates it perfectly. It's fantastic. So really, Immersive Reader is available 
to anyone using the web now. It's the, the Chrome extension is not from Microsoft, but it really works nicely. Now, there is a big problem with Immersive Reader, and I will get right to it. So there's a play button at the bottom. Next to that, there's a voice settings button. And you look at the voice setting button, and the first option when you click it is voice speed. That's great. You Students can slow it down if they need it slowed down. But also, sometimes we listen to podcast youtube videos at increased speeds it, you can in, listen in increased speeds that's fantastic then there's a voice selection this is what's really regrettable and i hope microsoft fixes this sooner rather than later there are two choices female and male that's it it's a binary gender choice in the year 2021 that is not inclusive to trans students oh i don't like that couldn't the voices be melissa and jamal why do students who don't identify as gender binary uh, have to see that and have that put in their face that is not inclusive Microsoft is not the only tech ed tech company with this problem for example in Google the, if you're a student your, your name appears as a collaborator in Google Drive it appears in you know questions in Google Classroom and usually I, it seems like always students can't change their name and I've heard some people say well that's a legal thing I'm sorry, you're not breaking any laws by letting kids change the name that appears when a peer you know, puts in their email address or, or adds them as a collaborator in a Google Doc. I'm, that, that, come on, that's silly. Let students change their names. A lot of times trans students, when they're in Google, they see their dead name, and that is not okay. So I hope that changes. Having said that, I will say, beside that awful flaw, it's like the, it's like the greatest project you ever were some ever a student ever submitted but with one flaw and it's like how do you grade that but uh, i'll talk about some of the other features of immersive reader when you have it open in the right there's a three-line veggie burger menu uh, there's text options where you can change the size you can go into a dark mode you can change it to comic sans if you care to uh, some elementary teachers would really like that there's a grammar options menu where you can set uh, parts of speech to different colors and you can break up the words into syllables and then there's a reading preference menu it defaults to a word by word preference but you can change that to a line focus there's a picture dictionary which is set to on so if you click on a common noun such as church so when I click on the word church here it actually sh it, it will play it for me if I click the listen button church there we go and there's also a little image it's a little kind of like, I don't know, um, graphics, stock drawing. You know, I don't know what I'd say, but it's a little graphic of a church. So that's really cool. And the other thing in that grammar options is that there is a translate. And the translate, I can't count the amount of words. Maybe it's up to uh, languages. It's It's got to be more than 50. There's so many here. There's so many languages that it can translate into. So that is so useful. Uh, immersive reader, a wonderful tool, wonderful tool for including students with one very not inclusive flaw. Do you do projects with groups of students? Do you like to have checklists for them to keep them on pace and keep track of what's done and not done? Well, in Google Workspace, two apps are now giving you checklist ability. Previously, we only had this in Google Keep and it works really nicely in Google Keep with uh, checkboxes 
and uh, it strikes through the text when something's checked. It's really nice. Um, but Google Keep maybe for that purpose isn't great. You really can't keep track of who did what. It's a keep note, not a doc or a spreadsheet where they might have more content. So now Google Docs has checkboxes and so does Sheets. Let's talk about the kind of the benefits and maybe some things that could be better and improved over time. So in Google Docs, the way you insert a checklist is you go to the button, uh, the bullets button in the toolbar and to the left of that you'll see checklist now if you don't see it yet it's coming soon trust me if, if you don't see it now it's coming soon you highlight the text that you want checklisted and then it, it appears something really nice about this is that when you check a box it goes it does the text to the right of it is strike through really really impressive love it uh, really really nice one flaw when i go into my version history I can see who added the checkboxes. I cannot see who checked a box. So that's one issue. As a teacher, I'd want to know who marked that done. That's not done. You know, I, I would want to do that. Now, in Google Sheets, the way you do it is with the insert menu. So you, I would typically insert a column to the right, uh, left of the text so that it's yeah, I see the checkboxes. And then to the right of that, I see the items. So you insert your column and then under the insert menu, you click insert and then between insert link and comment, there's check boxes. Now, when you check a box, it the box is checked, the text next to it is not strike through. And I heard someone, uh, in one of my YouTube videos, and I'll link the YouTube videos for check boxes in the show notes, but one of the commenters said, well, you could use conditional formatting to do that. And honestly, I don't like recommending teachers go jump through those hoops and conditional formatting. I would just like it to, if it's just an option, you know, maybe when you insert the checkbox, hey, do you want strike through in the text to the right when box is checked? Something like that. I would definitely prefer that than having to go into conditional formatting and it's a little, gets, gets a little complicated. The one big positive of checkboxes in Google Sheets is that in the version history, I can tell which student checked the box. That is really nice, so I do like that. So check boxes, they're arriving in Docs and Sheets. Use them for group project management. Have at it. We've reached the end of episode two of No Red Pen. Thank you so much for listening. Next week, I will not do a podcast early in the week. Instead, I'll do an episode where I react to Google's The Anywhere School on Tuesday, June 22nd. Hopefully that'll drop on Tuesday or the next day. So no early week podcast, but a reaction episode where I kind of summarize what's shared and share my reactions to it. I'd ask you, please rate the, uh, the podcast on Apple Podcasts. That is so helpful. And last, but most certainly not least, this episode is dedicated in loving memory to Marty the cat. Marty, we recently lost you, um, but you are loved and you are gone. You are never, ever forgotten. Thank you so much for being a wonderful cat in our lives and part of our family. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great week. We'll talk to you about the Anywhere School next week.